Welcome to Direct Impact, where we discuss the various ways our mental health and quality of life intersect. I'm your host, Andrea Epstein, licensed professional counselor, master's addictions counselor, and certified sex therapist. Think of our time together as focused self-reflection mixed with insight, passion, and empowerment. Now, take a deep breath. Now let's dive in and see what impacts you today. Hi, Direct Impact Nation. This is your host, Andrea Epteen. I haven't done one of these in a while, so I'm excited to do an Answers with Andrea bonus episode. So it's going to be a shorty, but sweetie. (laughs) So um, buckle up. Here we go. The question um, that came up that I felt like was so relevant um, to all of our listeners and just to human beings in general, the question was, when do you know that somebody's ready for recovery or, you know, to stop an unwanted behavior. And it's an excellent question that I want to answer um, from two different perspectives. I I want to first answer it from a clinical um, perspective, and then I want to answer it from um, a family member uh, perspective, because I feel like that's how the question was presented. So I'll just tell you that clinically, Um, When a person comes into us and, you know, they walk through the door and they are very curious (laughs) or upset or hurting or, you know, just real sick at this point, um, and they're wanting to understand why they continue in a pattern of behavior that is hurtful and harmful to themselves and others. So the question when they come through the doors, like, I want to know why I do what I do, despite the pain and the consequences. So at that point, we would start to assess their stage of change. And there's a few different stages that every person moves through. Um, And it starts with the very first stage is pre-contemplation. So this is really rooted in a lot of denial and a lot of defense mechanisms, a lot of anger, a lot of blame, a lot of deflection, a lot of resistance. Um, you might hear things at this point like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not me. And, you know, at this point, the addicted individual, you know, oftentimes will roll shift and turn into the victim or they'll go to the persecutor and start blaming you know, their loved ones for the situation that they're in instead of looking at themselves. So denial is a big part of pre-contemplation. In this stage, you're not even contemplating that drugs or alcohol or the behavior is the problem. Everything else is the problem, (laughs) but that's not it. At that point, they only see this behavior as the solution. They do not see it as the problem. Um, So they're just not willing at this point. They're not honest and they're not willing. Um, And so when we see that clinically, there's a few different ways that you can approach it. But, you know, here um, at Resolve Strategies and um, at Heads Up Guidance Services, we're outpatient. So we really do look at, you know, there, <laughs> we start to look at what are the motivating factors, you know, because they might be externally motivated, even if they're not internally motivated for change. So we really look for our leverage to see how we can get them leveraged into recovery into the level of care that might help them actually move into the next stage of change, which is 
contemplation. So actually, you know, contemplating that this might be a problem in their life, right? So oftentimes we would then refer to a higher level of care so that could be effectively addressed. That's the first stage is pre-contemplation, which is, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a problem. You're the problem. Or, you know, alcohol is not the issue. It, it's, it's the only thing that's working for me, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's often what you're going to see in that stage. But then inevitably or through consequences um, or through, you know, just, you know, something that really confronts that denial they are going to move to that stage of contemplation, which is where they're starting to see that these behaviors have negative consequences and that there's a negative impact on their life and the lives of people around them because of this behavior. Okay, so they, they are now contemplating that it's playing a negative role and maybe even starting to contemplate doing something about that. Heads Up Guidance Services, or HUGS, is a nonprofit organization dedicated to removing all barriers to quality professional counseling services. At HUGS, all motivated individuals, couples, and families can access the support they need and deserve in an outpatient setting. They recruit dedicated, compassionate, and socially conscious professionals who volunteer their time and specialized skill pro bono. HUGS doesn't work with third-party payers, insurance companies, or government dollars. Rather, they operate entirely with the support of people just like you. To help support HUGS, visit www.headsupsavannah.org. So you're starting to see some open-mindedness, just a tad, and now it's easy to jump back and forth between these stages, okay? So one day they might be in contemplation where they're like, hmm, okay. So every time I act out sexually, my wife gets upset. (laughs) Yeah, so in one moment they can look at that, but then very quickly jump back to a place of pre-contemplation where it's like, well, if she would X, Y, and Z, then I wouldn't have to do that. So that's just an example of, you know, hovering or jumping back and forth from stages, which is common. And we anticipate that. We kind of like expect that to happen. But we do confront it. And that confrontation, a shame-reducing confrontation, allows them to contemplate and then maybe move to the next phase. Um, So that third stage is going to be preparation. So you've got pre-contemplation, contemplation, contemplation, and then preparation. And at this um, stage, they are starting to prepare for a change. They have now identified that the behavior is problematic and very dysfunctional and is keeping them from their best self and from their goals and everything that they want. They have now taken some type of inventory on all of the not just consequences, but the toll um, that it has taken on them and the people around them. So they're starting to prepare to make um, really life-giving changes. So at this this stage, we start to see people really investing in their program, um, doing like a 90 and 90, you know, attending, you know, one of their 12-step programs, Um, going into therapy at an outpatient or intensive outpatient level of care, working with a sponsor, picking up a chip, reading literature. They're starting to 
dabble in that. They're not diving into it hard yet, but they're starting to dabble because there's some preparation. And then in the next sentence, in the next moment, in the next hour, the next day, they might then revert back to, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And so in this stage, which is a very important stage, there is, you're confronted, the individual's confronted with a great deal of grief and loss at the need to let go of something that they have used to cope with life. You know, that's really scary. And so there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of ambivalence and there's a lot of hopping from stage to stage at this point. But they will continue to do the work when they do, they move into action where all of those little things that they started to be willing to put into practice. So they're not just open now, but they're willing. And then when they put it into practice on a regular basis, they can move into abstinence and recovery. And so even they move into that last, you know, the action phase and there they're really working. They're active, they're engaged, they're involved in their recovery program. Now, this doesn't mean that there's not still slips, lapses, and even relapse. But it means that when that does happen, or if that does happen, that they're really growing from it, they're learning from it, and they're making changes to, you know, and, and, they're, and they're creating barriers so that that doesn't happen again, right? So they're continuing to grow. They're still in action. Just because they're slips doesn't mean they're not in action. So we've got pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, and then action stage of change. After that, the last stage is maintenance. And now this varies. There's, I mean, if you Google it, I'm sure you can come up with different stages, but this is the basics. And I just bring that up because I, I wanted to address this question with that understanding of people will find themselves at different stages of change. So how do you know when they're ready is really just to assess what stage of change they're in and how to best support them in moving into the next stage or in maintaining their active role in their recovery. And then I want to come from um, a family perspective um, and say it's very, very important that you be able to step back and let them fully invest in this process and understand that it's going to be a rocky road. You know, this this recovery thing, <laughs> if I mean, if you're chemically sober and you're behaviorally sober and you're working this recovery, you know, plan, I mean, you're looking at, you know, two to seven year, like real like investment um, of time and energy and in all types of things. So I mean, like, they have to fully invest in that. And your job is to come alongside of them and support them by getting to know yourself and finding your own program to work. Um, Because we all have behaviors that keep us stuck. So identifying something that you would like to invest in, and really embrace your own needs and self care and recovery and do that work so that you're not tempted to do theirs. Um, That can become very toxic and lead to their lapse, relapse, and your own. So just be very mindful that, yeah, everybody comes in different stages. It's nice to be able to recognize which stage they're in, 
But at the same time, just be mindful that you're taking good care of yourself and being mindful not to work their program for them. And, um, and just know that this is an investment and it takes time and it's progress, not perfection, as they say. So that's oftentimes going to be three steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back, four steps forward, two steps back five steps forward, three steps back, you know, that's progress. That is progress. That is moving in the right direction. So it's all I have to say is sometimes it's best to support others by first supporting yourself and making sure that you have a healthy support network in place as well. Um, Because you're not going to be able to get your needs met through that person, especially early on in this process. So I just wanted to say that from the family perspective. I just feel like that's important because you never really know how willing they are. Sometimes it is beneficial and um, for you to identify your your non-negotiables, your needs, and to set healthy boundaries to allow that person space, um, sometimes to realize consequences sometimes to hit their bottom, but space for them to realize what they need and to do that work on their own. So I am a big proponent of healthy communication and boundary setting and making sure that you're investing in your own self in your own process. So I hope that that's helpful and answers the question um, of when do you know that they're ready? All right. Thanks so much for the question. And please, please, listeners, engage with us right in Okay, www.directimpactmedia.com. Take care. Bye-bye now. Does anyone else feel like they just earned an extra brain wrinkle? Do you feel like that went by way too fast and just cannot wait till the next episode? Then leave a review and share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a coworker, or whomever, because your valued feedback makes a direct impact. Thank you for dropping in snaps to you because you have made a direct impact by listening to this podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media and stay tuned every week for a new episode of direct impact with Andrea Epstein.